1: Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by Reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw. Uh, he's the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll be talking about public education in Florida and the big story about a lawsuit and uh, uh, <laughs> filed by a family a child in a charter school. We'll find out why. Michael Cannon is the... Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. We'll visit with uh, Dr. George Markovich. Dr. Markovich is my orthopedic surgeon. And uh, look forward to our conversation with him, as well as the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be with us as well. It is January the 7th, and oh boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. And on this day in 1999, the impeachment trial of President Bill Clinton, formerly charged with lying under oath and obstructing justice, began in the Senate. As instructed in Article 1 of the U.S. Constitution, Supreme Court Chief Justice William Rehnquist was sworn in to preside, and the senators were sworn in as jurors. Congress had only attempted to remove a president once before, in 1868 in the impeachment trial of President Andrew Johnson, and of course that happened in 2017 with President Donald Trump. So uh, that was because, actually because of the Reconstruction Plan and uh, vehemently opposed to, uh, to Andrew Johnson's stand on that. So you know about the affair with uh, Monica Lewinsky and all the things that kind of led up to this. Well, the problem was that not that he did it. He had an affair with Miss Lewinsky, 21-year-old unpaid intern, uh, rather that he lied about it. And so he went to trial for this. And in, uh, four hours of closed testimony conducted in a map room of the White House, Clinton spoke live via closed-circuit t- television to a grand jury in a nearby federal courthouse. and. Uh, uh, the word sex was never spoken in his. his uh, at the uh, moments later, Kenneth Starr submitted his report, 18 boxes of uh, supporting documents to representatives, released to the public two da- uh, days later. Uh, Starr report outlined case for impeaching Trump on 11 grounds. And uh, just to cut to the chase here, basically Clinton said, You know what? I'm very sorry. I shouldn't have done it. And he p- apologized. He said he was profoundly star- sorry. And apologize to the American people. Before we move into the events of yesterday, Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambosk took his oath of office Tuesday, officially starting his fourth term. I don't know if that's a record in uh, in Collier County, but he's been a great sheriff. We certainly have law and order in our area, and we can. Th- and thanks to the leadership of uh, Sheriff Kevin Rambosk. Well, uh, yesterday. Actually, this morning at 3:40 a.m., Vice President Mike Pence has certified Joe Biden's election quote unquote victory. He signed off on the results: 306 electoral votes for Biden to 232 for President Donald Trump. President Trump has issued a statement responding to the electoral certification through White House Deputy Chief of Staff Dan Scavino, as he currently suspended from Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Can you believe that? Those guys, big tech. Suspended the president of the United States on uh, from his Twitter account. President Trump said he totally disagrees with the results. That there will be a peaceful transition of power, and while Trump's statement is his first public acknowledgment of defeat, it looked to the future with a message of support to our fight uh, to his supporters that our fight is not over. He said, "He said I've I think this is his statement I've always said we would continue our fight to ensure that only legal votes were counted." While this represents the end of the greatest first term in presidential history, it's only the beginning of our fight to make America great again. Good for you, President Trump. Great statement. Nearly a third of all voters consider President Donald Trump the legitimate winner of the November election. That, according to Scott Rasmussen in his poll, Uh, pretty amazing. You have to say that President Trump he he fought to the end, and now he's conceding. He's uh, he's saying I won. It was unfair, but there will be a peaceful transition. Uh, by party, 64% of Republicans saw Trump as a victor, while 93% of v- Democrats saw Biden as the winner. Uh, so again, while this he's won the position, the office of the presidency of the United States, I don't think he's necessarily got that uh, mantle of leadership, as does President Donald Trump. President Trump on Wednesday thanked his large crowd of supporters Several hundred thousand people gathering in Washington on the uh, mall for their support encouraged Vice President Trump to do the right thing by contesting the 2020 presidential results that, uh, to certify the results. I hope Mike does the right thing, he said, because if Mike do- does the right thing, we will win the election, said President Donald Trump. Uh, throughout the speech on the chilly January morning, Trump recapped his administration's achievements and emphasized the theme of election fraud. Now it's up to Congress to confront this egregious assault on our democracy, he said, noting, we have come to demand that Congress do the right thing and only count the electors who have been lawfully sli- uh, slated. Well, that didn't happen. And uh, you know, they, while the rallyers chanted, stop the steal, uh, uh, <clears throat> they ended up going up to the Capitol, and that was a big mistake. Uh, um. Actually, uh, what happened there is uh, the crowd moved to the Capitol. Trump supporters say uh, say that Antifa members, disguised as one of them, infiltrated the protesters who stormed the U.S. Capitol on Wednesday. Uh, One participant noted something odd about this group who broke into the Capitol through the windows. Those violent protesters with shields don't seem like Trump supporters with the tactics and gear they're equipped with. It's not confirmed, however. It's a concern concerning scene following calls for Antifa to appear like Trump supporters at the rally. According to a former FBI agent on the ground at the U.S. Capitol, at least one busload of Antifa goons infiltrated the Trump rally as part of a false flag operation. A retired military officer told the Washington Times that the firm XR Vision used its software to do facial recognition of the protesters and matched two Philadelphia Antifa members to two men inside the Senate. A source provided the photo uh, match to the uh, Washington Times. One has a tattoo that indicates he's a Stalinist sympathizer. Antifa promotes anarchy through violence and wants the end of the U.S. America in favor of a Stalinist state. No more USA at all is the protest chant. XR Vision also identified another man who, while not known to the Antifa links, is someone who shows up at climate and Black Lives Matter protests in the West. Antifa members disguise themselves as patriots. And Trump supporters. And here's what it says on their literature. This way, police and patriots won't know who their enemies are, and it's harder to turn popular opinion against Antifa, or against us, they said. Of course, all this uh, Antifa stuff was born in Portland, Oregon. Antifa has mounted a year of violence in that city, and the mayor said this week that the Antifa is trying to destroy the town and called for tougher police measures. Going back to the president, the president quickly tweeted a short video, which uh, in the Twitter, and other media outlets censored. Can you believe that? In his call for peace on Capitol Hill, the president urged his supporters to go home, while still stressing that he won the 2020 presidential election in a landslide. He said, "I know your pain. I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election. Everyone knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now," Trump said in a video statement. "We have to have peace. We have to have law and order." We have to respect our great people in law and order. We don't want anybody hurt. He emphasized that it's been an unprecedented, tough period of time, extending the loss of all of us as a neglection stolen from me, from you, and from our country. This is a fraudulent election, he said, but we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace, so go home. We love you. You're very special, Trump continued. You see what happens. You've seen the the way others are treated. That is so bad and so evil, I know how you feel, but go home and go home in peace, he said. That's leadership, folks. President Donald Trump, he's a leader. He doesn't have the office anymore after January 20th, but he certainly has the following of a lot of people, including me. A female Air Force vet and a Trump supporter from California has been identified as a protester killed in the Capitol Hill building. Uh, Ashley Babbitt, who was married and lived around San Diego, was fatally shot in the chaos, apparently by one of the Capitol Hill police, apparently. She was 14 years in the service and done four tours uh, in Afghanistan. Or was it Iraq? I've forgotten now. But anyhow, her husband called for a major Trump supporter. So sad. So sad indeed. Uh, in my opinion, uh, uh, Pence had a wonderful opportunity to demonstrate leadership. He had an opportunity. He saw, he read the Constitution, and his interpretation is his role was limited to a ministerial type of role, to take, take role and to just follow. Actually, it looked like people were direct him, directing him what to do. He could have, because this is a unique time, he could have actually stepped up. He could have, uh, for example, uh, when the first, uh, the first roll call came up to Arizona, one of the uh, the, uh, Arizona representatives' objective, he could have said there's enough evidence to send this back to the uh, legislature in Arizona for their final vote. He could have done that with each of the six states. He chose not to. He just went through a ministerial role, and it's uh, very, very disappointing. Something he'll have to live with, I'm sure, for the rest of his life. I know he'll think about it probably every day for the rest of his life. Anyhow, we go on from here. I personally believe we have lots of patriots up there, In Washington, D.C., including our own uh, Byron Donald. He's there, and I'm sure he will uh, provide a voice up there as well as a vote. It will be important, and I'm not so sure that all the Democrats up there are going to necessarily follow the uh, uh, very aggressive socialist agenda that many have in mind. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning Naples longest established air conditioning company. Visit Airconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples magazine. Uh, go to the website lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Keith Law. He is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Harden Show, here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lullaby's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time.
0: Back to the Bob Harton Show, and now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you right by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best. And you can find out more by visiting Golf Shore Playhouse. Dot org coming up we're going to visit with michael cannon he's the director of health studies at the uh, cato institute right now we have, we have with us keith flaw keith is a co-founder of a terrific organization it's only eight years old or nine years old but they've accomplished so much to support public education it's called the florida citizens alliance keith is a co-founder keith thank you so much for joining us good morning bob good morning keith tell our listeners about the florida citizens alliance
2: well, we're a grassroots organization now. Uh, we work with over 100 different gr- uh, grassroots groups and leaders across Florida. Uh, our uh, This last year, we started 2020 with 60,000 people and supporters in our active data lists. And we're now uh, well over 110,000. Uh, we've just added in the last four or five months about 50,000 parents with kids 17 are in the home. And we're fighting for... Um, school choice, expanding that, and we're fighting against and uh, trying to get rid of the indoctrination takes
1: taking place in our public schools. And doing a great job, I must add. I, I proudly serve as a uh, founding member of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith and uh, Pre- uh, Pastor Rick Stevens have done such a great job of leadership and having influence in, in Tallahassee with... Uh, the legislature, as well as the Commission of Education. So, Keith, there's a breaking story here that the first-ever lawsuit against critical race theory indoctrination has been filed in Nevada. You've got the backstory on this. Maybe you can tell us about it.
2: It's a fascinating story. Um, A black mom and her son, uh, her son is actually a product of a a black mom and a white um, husband, if you will, Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, he's a senior at, th- at this uh, Agassi College Preparatory Academy, and he was being forced uh, to take uh, critical race theory. And a lot of people, I don't think, understand what this critical race is. Race, but let me just explain it briefly. In his class, students are told that possessing certain characteristics inherently designates them as being privileged or oppressed. Uh, those who are white, male. Heterosexual or Christian are intrinsically privileged and oppressive, uh, which is defined uh, in, the, in the coursework as malicious and unjust. So, uh, long story short, uh, he and his mom uh, started objecting to the content, and the school gave him uh, uh, basically three options. Remember, this is college prep, but he was a senior.
1: Um, studying musicology. I mean, this kid was a bright kid. He was uh, determined. Yeah. He was, he's 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 uh, uh, d- he's what's the word I'm looking for? He's he's ambitious. So right. uh, that's that's kind of setting the pin here for now. The three choices, Keith. What are those three choices?
2: The three choices was to just knuckle down and complete the work, uh, which he and his mother refused to do. The second was to do the very better, uh, minimum and and get a C grade, which of course would have a serious impact on his. Uh, entrance into college, and uh, the third was to uh, basically uh, n- not complete the work and end up getting a D. Well, what they actually ended up doing when the when the lawsuit was threatened was they uh, they gave him a D in the class and they then a week later suspended him. So they filed a lawsuit, um, and there's an, a couple of different organizations that are doing it. I assume pro bono. Yeah, but the interesting comparison between that story. Uh, and what's going, what, what would happen here in Florida? I mean, uh, you would still have the option here, I guess, to file a lawsuit, but uh, parent wouldn't have to go anywhere near to that length to get uh, satisfaction. We have what's called the Hope Scholarship, and we've talked to uh, about that Hope Scholarship on your program
3: mm-hmm. uh,
2: a number of times. But uh, very simplistic, the Hope Scholarship is was labeled the anti-bullying bill when it was passed three years ago, but it includes bullying by the system, by the teachers, by the administrators. Uh, not just kid-on-kid kid or student-on-student student bullying. So if, if a parent in, in Florida believes, and they don't have to prove anything, if they believes uh, there's an incident in which their child is being um, bullied by either another student or by uh, a teacher, uh, teaching material that they don't th- that the parent doesn't think is appropriate, then all the parent has to do is go to the state website, print out a one-page uh, notification form, check the box, threat and intimidation and the day they do, they become eligible for up to an $8,000 scholarship to send their child to a private school of their choice.
1: Or another public school.
2: Or another public school. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, the real power in it is uh, is, to, is to, to provide a competitive in our view, a competitive alternative to break the bureaucratic and the monopolistic attitudes of these schools. You can see in the article how the school system was just uh, being very autocratic.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the and school they system, in, in they were asking the ch- the child to, to break his mores, to break his personal beliefs, his Christian beliefs. All of that was, uh, he was in his face, and he was in a very difficult position, as was his mother. They certainly had a, uh, I don't know how the case is going to end up, but I suspect that they're going to win it. Uh, but I think the important story here is in Florida is that there's this wonderful opportunity. First, I think the first thing, this HOPE scholarship is going to keep uh, school systems honest. They have to understand that they're going to pull off this kind of thing. Kids are going to start, parents are going to start applying for it. And when they apply for the HOPE scholarship, when they fill out that application, it's not like there's going to be some sort of trial or investigation. It's over. They get the choice. Right. Yep, That's exactly right.
2: So I thought it was an interesting... Uh, uh, dichotomy between the, uh, uh, what a parent has to do in Nevada and what a parent could do here in Florida. Yeah, uh, We're actually being approached by a couple of think tanks outside of Florida who are uh, kind of wondering what we're doing down here in Florida and uh, very interested in the HOPE Scholarship. So I would love to see that uh, expand beyond Florida, obviously.
1: Well, you keep up the good work, Keith. And uh, by the way, uh, the work of the Florida Citizens Alliance, it's low budget. I know that uh, Keith and Pastor Rick have been going back and forth to Tallahassee on their own nickel. It's not like they're paid employees and they're doing it for the benefit of our kids in Florida schools. So you've got a big event coming up in February.
2: Yes, we do. It's an exciting event. It's our fourth annual um, uh, fundraising event. Um, your listeners may remember that uh, we've had D'Souza, Bongino, and uh, uh, Larry Arnan in prior years. This this year we have three speakers. It's called Celebrating Kids in Country. It's at the Naples Grand on February, or, yeah, February 10th. Uh, it will be a, a VIP event. So just a one-size, one-priced event. Uh, with COVID, we're limited to the number of people that we can have. And uh, so we just decided to uh, do our event in two parts. So We'll do a part one in February, uh, and then in, in the middle of April we're planning to do a, an all-day seminar type for activists. But the three speakers are Alveda King, Martin Luther King's niece, uh, Senator DeMint, uh, and um, a fellow that many people don't recognize, but as soon as I say a little bit about him, his name is General Jerry Boinken, a three-star retired general. Uh, he was the commanding officer in, in uh, Mogadishu, Black Hawk Town. Yeah. Um, all three of them have very different life stories. All three of them have very strong feelings about education and, and what, what needs to happen in education going forward. So it should
1: be an exciting event. It's got the Naples Grand, Linda and I have signed up. We're looking forward to it, and I just encourage our listeners to go to your website, FLCA. GoFLCA.com, goflca.com, and find out more about this. very robust website. Uh, search it around uh, about education here in Florida, goflca.com. Uh, Keith, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. You and your listeners have a great week. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Michael Cannon. Michael is the uh, Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Just a little shout-out to Lula Bee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. They do a great job for breakfast or lunch. I hope you'll stop by, say hello, say that Bob sent you at the Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Dr. George Markovich, orthopedic surgeon. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. He is Director of Health Studies at the uh, cato institute michael thank you so much for joining us
4: top of the morning
1: to you bob hey talk of the, top of the morning michael so uh, uh we know that uh, yesterday the uh, president uh, the president elect joe biden is not going to become president of the united states one of the things he's promised is that we're all going to be masked up for 100 days now, now not really because there's it's not really his decision but that's his idea and i think that's what he wants because the coronavirus. I wonder if you, in your position, can make a comment about the efficacy of masks.
4: Well, there is evidence that suggests that wearing a mask can prevent transmissions, that mask doesn't really protect you so much as the other people around you in case you are infected with the novel coronavirus and don't know it, because that happens a lot. Some people are never symptomatic, and even those who are, they may be uh able to transmit the virus for a week or more without uh, before they develop any symptoms. And there is evidence that shows that the masks do reduce those transmissions. So I wear a mask when I go out into public. I, I drill that into my children uh, and uh, so that they do as well. When my father stops by, I make sure he's wearing a mask and I'm wearing one. But uh, that doesn't mean that a mask mandate is a good idea. Unfortunately, the President of the United States does not have the authority to impose a mask mandate. But what Joe Biden is saying is, look, this is a good idea. I'm asking everyone to wear it. And this is the sort of public health messaging we should have had all along, which is based on information and persuasion rather than uh, what we get with uh, so many Republicans, which is denial of the reality of this coronavirus uh, or what we get from so many Democrats, which is the government commanding you to, uh, to obey uh, by wearing a mask and, uh, and not going out in public and so forth. Uh, I think this is a much better approach to public health yeah. uh, than what we have seen so far. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, I expect Joe Biden to stick to uh, only responsible public health messaging. I hope he does, but uh, we'll have to see.
1: Well, I mean, uh, first of all, I just challenge uh, your uh, notion that uh, Republicans say that they are in denial about the uh, va- about the uh, virus because I don't think that's the case. I think most of them are saying, yeah, we want to stay safe. We want a six-peat uh, uh, separation and all that type of thing, but safe distancing, but uh, irrespective. The-, the other question, though, is tell me about the science that suggests that uh, mass prevent transition. I've heard a, st- a statement from a good, reliable source that a mask is like building a chain link fence in order to keep mosquitoes out.
4: <laughs> so uh, there is some truth to that. There is uh, some truth to the idea that uh, because very few of the masks that people are wearing and nowadays these uh, are, are made in such a way that the links in that fence are small enough that they'll stop the virus. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the the uh, The the virus, the aerosol can pass through most of the masks, probably even the masks that I wear when I go out. Mm -hmm. But the masks uh, do stop some of the particulate that comes out. And so it can reduce the amount of the virus that people shed uh, and and, uh, uh, place into the air. Uh, but masks also serve another important function, which is that they, they're they a signal. They signal to other people, hey, I'm taking this seriously. I'm taking your health seriously. I'm doing this small, uh, uh, um, this incon- this, uh, undergoing a small inconvenience uh, to protect you. It also signals that uh, I'm probably not going to want to get too close to you. Uh, and, and it can convey to others that, hey, this is really serious. Uh, let's all see what we can do, not just to reduce the transmission of this virus, but also uh, to uh, to be respectful of other people's fears yeah. uh, amid this very scary... Well, that, in, in my estimation,
1: time. I think the, uh, the pandemic of fear is far more contagious and deadly than the virus itself, quite frankly, and that's, uh, I think, what we need to keep a perspective of, from my point of view, So, i, I yeah, but I understand totally what you're saying. Uh, so, uh, we're in this new wave. Is actually the new wave of uh, the virus, I know it's more contagious, that's what they're saying, is it more deadly?
4: There isn't evidence, uh, convincing evidence on that question. Uh, there, the, the epidemiologists who are looking at this have decided are, right, there is enough evidence to conclude that, with reasonable certainty, that this new variant of the virus is more transmissible whether the reason is that it does a better job of colonizing the upper respiratory tractors sinuses and therefore producing more virus that you will shed. They're not sure, but it is more transmissible. And, uh, un- you know, unfortunately uh, it could be, uh, more deadly. We would need more, uh, data in order to reach that conclusion. Mm-hmm. But I think that is another argument for both the, uh, uh for, for masks and other what we call non-pharmaceutical intervention uh, that uh, reduce the uh, risk of transmission uh, because uh, this is, uh, even if it's not more deadly, it, it, it can now spread much faster yeah. and do the sort of damage we were fearing in a much shorter uh, period of
1: time. Yeah, yeah. my, my thoughts are should everybody should be uh, making sure they're getting plenty of vitamin D as well as zinc as a way to fend off part of this whole thing, but uh point well taken. So how are the vaccines how, How's that going?
4: So that is not going well. And this is a really interesting lesson in government rationing of, uh, of, of goods and services. You know, the federal government bought all sorts of, bought lots and lots of doses of these vaccines, uh, gave them to states to distribute according to their, the rationing rules that each state would, would make. And, uh, it's 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 you know if the government owns these the government has to decide who's going to get them uh, or what are the rules going to be for uh, uh, determining who gets them and uh, you know states came up with what they thought was the best strategy some said we want to prioritize the elderly uh, most of them said healthcare workers first and that's that's fine those are sensible rules but the lesson that we're learning right now is, is that you can write all the rules you want. But unless you give people an incentive to treat these vi- these vaccines like they are an extremely valuable commodity, and an incentive to get them into people's arms as quickly as possible, then you're going to see a lot of vaccines. We've seen that happen where yeah. these vaccines have have expired and they've uh, they've gone to waste. We've seen uh, uh, freezers that shut down left health systems with hundreds of vaccines that they had to distribute immediately uh, to to anyone that they could find, Uh, we would not, we would have more safeguards of these vaccines. We would have, uh, and people would have more of an incentive to safeguard them and to get them into people's arms quickly if instead of letting the government ration who gets them, if it, we just let the pharmaceutical company sell them to whoever wanted them at whatever price they wanted to pay.
1: I think that's a point that's well a, taken. A story,
4: I think we may have mentioned this, a story from California about that he would pay $25,000 for
1: yeah, a Yeah, right. So, I, I mean, I think that's a great point, the object lesson here, is anytime you have the government involved, you're going to have uh, unintended and ne- not necessarily good consequences. Again, Michael Cannon, he is the uh, health, uh, Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. Cato.org, org, C-A-T-O dot org is the website michael got to move on thank you so much for joining us anytime bob thank you so much all right coming up we're going to be visiting with uh, uh, dr george markovich dr markovich is an orthopedic surgeon he actually replaced both of my knees in 2006 for which i'm extremely grateful we're going to do that and more right here in the uh, bob hardin show on the bob hardin broadcasting network
0: Tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Hardin Broadcasting Network. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. Uh, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with former Mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Dr. George Markovich, as I mentioned before the break. He's an orthopedic surgeon. He replaced both of my knees in 2000. Six, and I'm extremely grateful for it, Dr. Markovich, Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. Good morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, uh, Doctor. And again, thank you so much for joining us. So uh, here we are, a day after the election, and uh, life goes on. What are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting developments. <clears throat> I think uh, you know what happened yesterday at the Capitol is inexcusable. Uh, I think that. A lot of time and a lot of developments led up to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you had an impeachment, you had people ripping up speeches, you had this lockdown. You know, things have changed markedly in the last year. Mm -hmm. And that was pent-up frustration that was exhibited in a very ugly way. Um, Unfortunately, it will be perceived as a condemnation of the people that did it, Blanketed, as opposed to a few bad people mm-hmm. doing bad things. That being said, I am hopeful that uh, there will be opportunities for good things to happen, mm-hmm. uh, despite um, having people now in power who see a different view of America than the one I'm accustomed to seeing.
1: Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. You know, in fact, uh, my mental out- outlook is always to uh, look at the bright side of things. Sometimes that gets me in real trouble, by the way. But, <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, from my point of view, I, I, I just think about our own Byron Donalds. who's been just sworn in on January the 3rd as our new representative, U.S. representative. And he is a true patriot, and he is so well-informed, and he has all the social skills in order to talk to the opposition, to reach across the aisle. I think that's there's a lot of folks up there like that, and on the other hand, for this very aggressive socialist agenda that uh, people are talking about that they want to push through, like making uh, Puerto Rico and Washington D.C. states getting more senators, packing the court, I mean you can go on, uh, re, uh, getting rid of the tax reductions and uh, on and on and on. Green New Deal. I, think, I don't think that's going to be easy to get through because I think some of the Democrats are going to say, "Wait a minute, this stuff just doesn't make any sense."
3: I hope you're right. I think that, you know, certainly if people cave to uh, things, then anything's possible. But mm-hmm. if you stay by your principles, I think uh, Representative Donald is going to do a fantastic job. I'm yeah. um, a big fan. Dan Crenshaw, uh, you know, people who have the measured temperament to deal with some of the emotional, non-fact-based arguments that others people make. Uh, that 's what you need mm-hmm. um, and hopefully the message will get through that we need a country that works that uh, works well for uh the majority of people and lifts up the people that can be a little bit more responsible Mm -hmm. and more effective in terms of their day-to-day existences to uh, help other people. I mean, listen, that's what I do every minute of every day is try to help people out and and have a role in alleviating pain and improving function. And that's just basically what drives me to do what I do starting at 3.23 in the morning. Mm -hmm. And hopefully... You know, uh, this country will see a path forward where we could be productive, efficient, uh, control what we do, um, and have the government be sort of in the background of, you know, the American experiment that's been very successful for a long period of time is... I think Churchill said it's the worst system except for all the other ones.
1: That's exactly right. Dr. B., I I know you've got a busy schedule today, so before I let you go, I just want to acknowledge the fact that you have been so helpful to me. Anytime that you're going to let somebody uh, cut into your body, (laughs) you you want to make sure you made a good choice, and I made a great choice. Uh, You did a great (laughs) job of taking care of me for a couple of years before we ended up agreeing that I needed to have my knees replaced. And uh, I actually went to you and said, Doc, you know what, this pain is so great. I just, I'm moaning all the time. I can't sleep. You got to help me. And and you replaced both of my knees, and I'm so grateful for it. And for our listeners that might have some joint pain, ankles, uh, shoulder, knees, hips, it might be uh, wrists, uh, Dr. Markovich just does an outstanding job. So, Doc, uh, how can people reach you?
3: Uh, Well, they can certainly call the office, 482-5399. Thank you very much for the kind words, and we will continue to take care of people and help people out as best we could with any musculoskeletal problem they have. Hips, knees, and shoulders is what we do, Bob. So everything else we do very well as well, and we have a great group and great people ready and willing to help. Thank you so much.
1: Absolutely. four eight two five three nine nine four eight two five three nine nine 482-5399. 482-5399 is the uh, phone number. Doc, thank you so much for joining us. I think he just hung up, so I know he's running off to surgery, and I just appreciate him taking time uh, to do that. Uh, I'm going to visit with uh, uh, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. That should be such an interesting uh, conversation, I'm sure, about what happened yesterday and the politics of everything going on. I do. I mentioned that uh, uh, you know there's been some uh, Antifa activity in Portland, Oregon, for over a year, and uh, a lot of just breaking the law, not enforcing the law. The uh, district attorney out there basically says, "Let's, you know, if these people are arrested, they just let them go. And no wonder they continue their activity. Well, Portland, Oregon Mayor Ted Wheeler admitted his efforts at appeasing ra- uh, radical anarchists failed after another destructive riot ruined the New Year's Eve in his city. And he's now appealing for federal and state help. Now, President Trump offered that how, how long ago? Months ago. Over a year ago. He said, my good faith efforts at de-escalation have been met with ongoing violence and even scorn from radical Antifa and anarchists. He told the press conference on Friday, in response, it will be necessary to use additional tools and to push the limits of the tools we already have to bring the criminal destruction of violence to an end. He was once famously demanded federal law enforcement to leave his city. He called for a task force. Of federal, state, and county, and local uh, law enforcement officials to convene to deal with the anarchist violence, and uh, you know, basically, also have attorney general there. Not attorney general, a district attorney in Oregon who who doesn't enforce the law. And uh, so, uh, and the the uh, mayor has himself instructed the police to back off and to let these people do what they're doing. Well, you know, when you have laws on the books, you need to enforce the laws. When you enforce them. Uh, as our, our own Sheriff of rambas does consi- consistently, uh, without a wink to some people doing favors for other people. But no matter who it is and what position you hold, you're going to be held accountable if you break the law. When you have that in place, that's when people can live in peace and they can feel a sense of security in the communities that they live in. This experiment with accommodation it just doesn't work, and it hasn't worked anywhere around the nation. We just heard that the uh, uh, new uh, a district attorney in Los Angeles has announced that you know if you steal stuff, I need worse than five hundred dollars. Uh, we're not going to do anything about it. We're not going to enforce it. Uh, he's just asking for trouble, and that's it's just so disappointing to see what's going to happen. Our poor Los Angeles, California, San Francisco. What's happened to those beautiful cities? One of the most beautiful places in the United States, and it's just all going to seed. People are moving out, and it's uh, just a very sad situation. We need to enforce the rule of law. That's what President Trump was for, and that's what we do here in in, uh, Collier County. I think we should do it across the United States. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Bill Barnett, the former mayor of Naples. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Bob Hartman.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And I hope you'll get tickets, visit the website. Also, there's a new performing arts center that's being built in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Mayor Bill, thank you so much for joining us.
5: Hey, Bob. My pleasure. Um, you know, I'm... Um, Thursdays come pretty quick these days, you know.
1: <laughs> you know what? It's like a roll of toilet paper for me.
4: <laughs> it yeah, just,
1: yeah. Just goes faster and faster. Quite frankly, but I just appreciate so much the commentary that you provide. Hey, instead of talking about what's happened, oh, I do want to ask you: Have you gotten your flu shot yet?
5: Um, no. Hopefully tomorrow. Um, because um, uh, NCH is there's a link and uh, that will be up at noon today, and hopefully you know, I'll I'll get I'll get in there and uh Chris and I can get our shots tomorrow. So um or next week. You know, they're gonna be doing next week here too.
1: Yeah. Well I think the governor's doing a great job of managing this whole process. It's been somewhat of a disaster across the United States and uh
5: so, <laughs> um, Yeah. So yeah that that's a that's a that's an understatement. I um uh the the you know you just mentioned something earlier about uh um about Gulf Shore Playhouse, and you you know that they passed um, the uh, the parking garage and uh, the, the CRA, Community Redevelopment Agency, which is really the city council, um, passed that uh, a week ago or two weeks ago. Um, and it looks like uh, you're moving along, and it's really exciting to see.
1: It is exciting to see. Great leadership from Kristen Corey, the producing artistic director and founder oh, yeah. of show Playhouse, and that's just such a positive development. It's going to be great for the city. It's going to provide uh, parking, and of course, the one problem that uh, downtown Naples has is a lack of parking. Well, this is going to be a great help towards that. Plus, it's going to be a great place to park when performances are on. For patrons, so they have covered parking and be able to move quickly to the uh, to the theater. So it's a great right. deal.
5: but it, it and and Bob, um, it'll be great for Baker Park.
1: Oh, good point. I mean, that's it. Actually, extends the city, doesn't it? it opens the city. Uh, sure, all the way to to uh, Baker Park. And by the way, have you spent some time at Baker Park?
5: Oh yeah, yeah. I I, I walk it and um, go down there and and I mean it's absolutely amazing the comments that you hear from from people there you know um they don't know who you are obviously and uh you can just sit and listen um to the to the remarks that are made this place is beautiful oh. um uh we love it it's i mean you know it's just amazing they're just blown away by it so yeah. it's a it was a real real kudo. i i you know um I'm just so happy that we got it done uh, the way we did.
1: Yeah. And, and, and by uh, the way, that's that's uh, your legacy, Mayor. I miss that's Mayor. <laughs> my
5: legacy for sure, and and I'm and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> They're not taking that away from me. Of course, it was not me. It was it was, I guess under uh, mostly under my. Uh, my leadership, but uh, I had some wonderful people on council that uh, that, that moved it along with us, so um, that yeah, was good.
1: How about some great donors, too, the uh, bakers? And, oh. Uh, many people, again, this was financed for the most part, uh, by uh, the community, from people from the community. So it made it possible, and uh, it was really a community effort. And uh, again, if you haven't visited Baker Park, I went down there walked around. I can't walk that much. I'm going to see a back surgeon here this month. So, uh, but irrespective, it's a beautiful place to go and, and visit. So I want to get your uh, comments on uh, yesterday and what happened.
5: I don't know. I, I I mean, really, I don't know what anybody can possibly say. Um, I I just... You know my own thoughts and feelings. You know it would have been fine had they had they done what they what they had set out to do. Mm -hmm. Um, You're talking about you're
1: you're talking about the people that were down uh, supporting the president.
5: Yes. Okay. But the violence just doesn't go, Bob. I I don't know. They it just it you you kind of knew it was going to happen because there were so many and and they were obviously undermanned and whatever. But um, I you know. President Trump said this morning, "Look, there will be a peaceful transition of power." Period. Right. That's so. exactly
1: right. I will say uh, I'm I'm disappointed to see that it's Trump supporters who are being blamed for this. Uh, there's at least uh, now this has all been reported. It has to be confirmed, but at least one truck uh, busload of Antifa uh, folks that were that came in, and apparently now film has a, this uh, identity stuff. <laughs> whatever it's called, uh, they've identified at least two Antifa members who broke windows and broke into the into uh, into the uh, uh, co- into the Congress, into the Capitol. So, in other words, th- and these people dress up like Trump supporters, so they can't be identified. The point that right. I'm making is that it's too bad that all of this, that, this rush to judgment, that they're blaming it on Trump and that kind of thing. Mm. Trump's not perfect, but you know what? Uh, he asked for peace. He asked people to go home peacefully. Uh, tomorrow's a new day. Uh, and uh, it's just a shame that that happened.
5: Yeah, that those those are those are are are, are my thoughts as well. Um, and yeah, and you know, you kind of knew it was going to happen because they'd sneak in. And I, you know, I don't think everybody's blaming Trump for it. People know about those groups and um, and and the violence that they um, that they exude. And um, so it's I I think for now I think it's done and hopefully for a long time and now we can get on with business
1: absolutely and uh, again we have uh, two new senators from Georgia Uh, right not sure about the veracity (laughs) of that election but irrespective Uh, I think we're all having some uh, some fatigue from all the stuff going on and we look look forward to kind of getting back to business as usual if we can I'm also hopeful that uh, we have our own Byron Donalds up there in Congress. I've mentioned this for the third time on the show, but it just strikes me that there's going to be a lot of folks up there who don't want to pursue this aggressive socialist agenda that's being proposed, Green New Deal and all that type of thing. So I'm hopeful that even some Democrats will be uh, resisting uh, what this small minority wants to accomplish.
5: Oh, I think they will be. I I see more of... uh of a, of a coming together uh, across the aisles um it, you know for the future and um i i i, I want to believe that that can happen and that we'll we'll move along we'll start dealing with some of the things we really need to, to to deal with you know pandemic etc yeah and vaccines and getting them moved out and um uh so I am I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I just think we're all like you said, fatigue is a good word for it. But you know we're just flat worn out. Bob. Yeah, exactly.
1: Kind of, hey, by the way, mentioning uh, the Naples Daily ne- News, and uh, I think I read in there that the that the uh, county is not going to be announcing the number of new cases and people in the hospital, and so forth, because now that the vaccines have come out, have come out, and I've noticed that the Naples Daily News is not publishing that information anymore. That seems kind of weird to me. Any thoughts?
5: Um, well, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know that that's the Naples, the Naples Daily News. I don't know what they're, what they're reporting these days because I don't feel like we have a newspaper, but, um, <laughs> yeah. but, 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 uh, uh, there must be a reason that they're not doing that. And as I say, um, I don't know how important that is in my life or your life. Yeah. Candidly, whether I see the numbers or I don't see the numbers, the point is, is I'm trying to stay safe and, uh, Get my vaccine, and um, and and uh, I, I just feel Bob. I'll tell you what I know. We're running t- out of time, but I'll tell you, I'm. I just feel terrible uh, about you know the people in California. Man, they they're in a disaster.
1: Yeah, and and, all- and
5: Arizona and other states that have this. I mean, here we are in Florida, uh, wide open, the restaurants, the bars, whatever, and um, I don't think we're doing much worse than anybody else, candidly. Well, frankly, we're
1: doing better. I mean, uh, thank God we have Governor DeSantis in his role in the, in the decisions he's made with regard to saying, you know what, I, I trust the people in Florida to make good decisions with regard to their health. And you know what, so far it's working. The point is that, the, remember, we all started saying we just have to make sure that we flatten the curve, that we don't overrun the hospitals so I mean, right now, quite frankly, I think most hospitals are saying, you know, we need more business.
5: <laughs> right, right. Because people were afraid are afraid to go near them because of the COVID, but that's not the case. They they you know, a lot of the elective surgeries and, and things like that people will say, No, I don't want to do it because, you know, I'm gonna catch COVID. But that's not the case at all.
1: Yeah, well, that's good to see. Well, Mr. Mayor, I mean, again, the the legacy of Baker Park and all the great things you've done in your career. I just genuinely appreciate your taking time here to come on the show and and visit with our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us.
5: Bob, my pleasure. You have a great rest of the week and uh, speak to you next week. Look
1: forward to it. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, I do want to end the show with this positive note. The Republicans picked up a seat in the Georgia State House of Representatives. Earlier today, speaker live from the uh, Save America March outside the White House, the new newly former Democrat Representative Vernon Jones just announced he's switching parties. He said, I'm ready to go home, he told the crowd. I'm ready to go home to, to the party of Lincoln. I'm ready to go home to the party of Frederick Douglass. Just think about that. Frederick Douglass, a Republican. What a great story that is. And uh, people don't even know about it for the most part. I'm ready to go home, said... Uh, Vernon Jones uh, to the par- to the party of Tim Scott today. I'm coming home. I'm coming home to the grand old party. I'm officially joining the Republican Party. Jones continued, and the crowd, of course, broke into chants of "USA, USA, USA." So welcome to uh, ho- welcome home. I guess I should say to Vernon Jones. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly had a good time uh, under the circumstances. I must say, I, I was supporting Trump all the way. And again, I just end this th- with this thought that uh, Trump demonstrated, I think, great leadership skills. I know people were tired of him and people that didn't like him. And the, the more they were exposed to him, the more they hated him. But uh, to me, I think he, no matter what he did or what he said, I just like the fact that he reduced regulations. He helped improve the economy, re- reduced taxes for corporations so they could come home and do business here in the United States. Uh, people, full employment, working towards full employment, the economy doing greater. Making America great again. I think he was a great leader in that regard, and I'm hoping, hopeful that he'll continue uh, those efforts. Uh, Joe Biden, he's our president now. We'll support President Joe Biden, but frankly, he's not a leader. He's got the office, but he's not a leader. And uh, maybe people will appreciate that for a while, but uh, I'm just, uh, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I just don't don't have a lot of confidence in uh, Sleepy Joe. Uh, I hope you join us tomorrow. We're going to visit with William Yatman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. I've made invitations to a couple of other folks, too. I haven't heard back, so I'll, I hope uh, we'll hear back from them as well. Always appreciate hearing from you. How you like the show, you can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you'd like to be on the distribution list, uh, you can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>